This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to our Behind the Markets podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz. Alongside Wharton Frank Professor Jeremy Siegel, we tackle the latest market trends every week on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Our guest consists of experts like the world's leading authority on long-term economic growth, Bob Gordon. We will continue to see jobs created rather than destroyed. Former chair of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen. I mean, I don't think either of us ever expected that we would live through a financial crisis. Or even the head of the digital industry foundation Arvind Gupta. The reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization and financial inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years. Enjoy this week's show. Welcome to Behind the Markets here in Business Radio, powered by the Warren School. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz, Global Head of Research at Wisdom Tree. My co-host is Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, author of Stocks for the Long Run and the Future for Investors. I also have Kara Marsiscano, who's a senior analyst at Wisdom Tree. Please note, Kara and I are registered representatives of Foresight Fund Services. Professor Siegel is a senior advisor for Wisdom Tree. Our discussion is not tied to the offer of investment products. And the views of our guests are their own and not those of Wizard Church affiliates. We're going to have a really interesting show today. Um, Professor, we're going to be talking a little bit about earnings, a little bit about the regulations. Everybody's focused on the new proposal from Biden. How are you looking at everything here? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised at it. I, I, I honestly, the, the the big the big thing will be in a month or two when he has the infrastructure with the tax plan. I mean, this does not include any of the tax plan. Um, I mean, and I, I, I'm, I'm more looking forward to that. This is pretty much as expected. Um, uh, he's not going to get all of it through. It's going to be, it's going to be down. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I think sending stimulus checks to people who are employed and earning the same income as they did last year is, is not the best idea. So there, 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 there'll be a little bit of a tamping, uh, a tamping down on, on, on that. Um, uh, uh, the rest of the news was a little bit disappointing. The last two days, jobless claims up, uh, retail sales were terrible for December, uh, relative expectations. Um, again, I point out this is all looking in the rearview mirror. It is all because of the surge of the virus. So everything is dependent on the rollout of the vaccine. I mean, again, you've got to be forward-looking. It is accelerating. Um, it is doing a little bit better. Um, the states have been kind of nudged, in a way, you know, and, and, and even now only 40% of the vaccines have been distributed have been administered. Uh, and who would have guessed that West Virginia w- would be the star? Uh, they've administered almost 80% of vaccines far above any other state, um, and their percentage is also above any other state. Um, so uh, I, I think the, the, the vaccine rollout and, uh, and how fast we can get them into arms is, is, is it, because everything is going to be, um, everything is going to be uh, the, uh, the reopening. Yeah, and are you surprised by some of the big moves we've seen across the factors? I mean, you got small caps rallying hard. It's been wow. a sort of yeah. risk-on sentiment to start to see if there's rotation here. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, are you really beginning to see the the, the rotation here? Um, and uh, so the belief is, you know, all right, it, it's not going quite as fast as what, but it is going fast. By the way, I mean, just to reinforce it, I. 
uh, managed to, to actually look up monetary growth going all the way back to when Milton Friedman uh, wrote the monetary history in 1870. And uh, I, I knew that the monetary growth in M2 last year was the largest since World War II, but I then discovered that the monetary growth in 2020 was larger than any other year since 1860, uh, 1870. Uh, that's 150 years. Uh, again, that just reinforces the uh, what what I think is going to be the explosion of the economy as the uh, you know vaccine gets rolled out and people begin to go back to to uh, those uh, normal uh, activities. The CRB index um, is just about back to where it was before the crisis. Uh, we did have a uh, we uh, the, the CPI was above expectations. We got that a couple days ago. Today we did get the PPI. And it was pretty much at expectations. It wasn't really, we're, we're not seeing anything really surge yet. Import prices were well ahead of uh, expectation, probably because of the, the fall on the dollar. But I still think the scenario is set up for very strong economic growth, higher inflation, um, and of course, uh, higher bond prices, uh, higher bond yields, lower bond prices. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about some of the, the bubble activity you saw last week. We talked a little bit about Bitcoin still yeah. continues to be volatile. Any updated thoughts yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it was a whole surge above 40, and now I'm looking at it, it's 35, 8, down 7%. Uh, you know, uh, Tesla is also maintained actually a little stronger than, than Bitcoin here. We've talked about that. That correlation. There's still a lot of speculation in the market. You you take a look at in the pre-market, you see that a lot of small stocks doing extraordinarily well. You know that the uh, the Robinhood traders are 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 still are still very active, and um, uh, you know some of them are definitely uh, going to be burned. But I, you know when you take a look across the whole board, you know I, I think it's all predicated on what the boom of the economy is going to be. And um, uh, uh, that's the expectation, and uh, stocks are forward-looking. I, I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think they're wrong over here. The, the the big question, if you want to really look out, will be as inflation goes up and bond yields go up. You know, when will the Fed be motivated to say, okay, we got to stop, uh, start moving against this? Uh, you know, all democratic government with Biden at the helm. Um, with with Powell saying we're looking at employment, which is unemployment, which is going to remain high, especially with that jump in jobless claims. Um, you know, it's going to be later rather than sooner uh, when uh, the Fed finally moves against the upcoming inflation. As I said, they're not going to do inflation until it gets year over year above two percent. We're nowhere near that at the present time. But uh, you know, that's looking forward to well into the second half of twenty. 21 and into 2022, uh, actually. Well, very good. Thanks uh, to give us some comments to start the show. Yeah, great. And we'll talk again next week. Bye. Sounds good. Have a good weekend. We're going to be talking with Alex Mozed, who is the CEO of Applico, Kara Marciscano, Senior Analyst at WisdomTree. Alex and I have been working together uh, for a few years now. We've licensed some data from his firm, identifying platform companies. Alex, when, when platforms are in the news, it's always good to get your pulse on what's going on. Welcome back to Behind the Markets. Thanks for having me. 
Tell us a little bit. Um, we've talked a lot about platform companies with you. They're sort of prime and center of the political regime. What's going on? Some of the the actions taken by Twitter and some of the others. What's your your current read on the the dynamics of these platform social media companies? I I, I think that you know this is really nothing new. We've seen these tech monopolies wield their censorship stick for months, if not years. Um, I think they have realized that they've gone too far. For some, this is a bigger strategic misstep than others, notably Twitter. Uh, Twitter is by no means monopoly status. And I think if you saw Jack Dorsey's note uh, just recently, he is (laughs) basically recognizing that they went too far, and I'm sure he's already seeing their engagement numbers fall off a cliff. Um, For the larger tech monopolies, their stock prices are pretty much unchanged, I think, short to midterm. This isn't a material impact on them. But I think longer term, this actually um, could could enable up-and-coming social media and content platform competitors to the likes of Facebook, Google, and and others, um, which which could actually make an impact on them. Not in the immediate term, but, but mid to long term, very different story. Yeah, like who? Are, I mean, there's all this this the the buzz about Parler who got shut down by by uh, you know hosting their stuff on the Amazon web servers. Anything? What? Who, do you see a, a rival to Twitter over time? Who's who? Do you think can emerge there? So there are Parler included. There are five top one thousand websites in the United States today. Before all of this madness happened over the past couple of weeks, Parler is one of them. There are four others alternative content and social media platform startups, which, by the way, uh, many of them have already had their apps banned. So they purely have website traffic. They've raised no more than a few million dollars, each of them, yet they have top thousand websites in the United States. And by, by wielding this censorship stick too aggressively, which now you're actually seeing, I think, collectively the whole bunch of them recognize that they went too far, um, they they have enabled a huge surge of audience to shift away to these five up-and-coming smaller competitors. And that's the strategic misstep. Twitter is, is much more in the crosshairs because they only have 30 million actively engaged users in the United States. Um, they are a fraction of the size of the other tech monopolies here. So um, I'm closely watching uh, Twitter's quarterly earnings and, and, and what they're going to have to disclose around this, because I think you're going to see very material impact uh, on them in the immediate term. Thanks, Alex. This is Kara. So it's interesting because the last time we spoke, we were talking about you know governments controlling platforms, and now the discussion has somewhat shifted, and we're talking about content platforms in some ways controlling government voices. So my question for you is, is this something, this censorship sort of issue, is it specific to content platforms only like YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook? Because if you think about, you know, a platform like Uber, if you have, I guess we would call low quality, low quality suppliers, reckless drivers on the platform, you would expect Uber to sort of step in and regulate. Is this something that's specific to just these content providers where really they, you think that they should just sit in the middle of the network and facilitate but not regulate? It's a great question. And, and universally across all these platform models, whether you're Uber, 
whether you're Amazon, a content platform, when the when when you reach that monopoly status, you you take advantage of your suppliers, what we call producers. That could be content creators, that could be drivers, that could be sellers on Amazon. The platform takes advantage of supply to inch out whether it's margin, to um, you know impose its uh, you know content or, you know, ideological bias on that producer community. And it's not the consumer that gets taken advantage of. And, and that is the nuance which the regulators have failed to grasp in the United States. The EU is starting to grasp it, but they still have a ways to go. So, you know, frankly, what we've seen is the tech monopolies have wielded the censorship stick too aggressively. Um, the, the U.S. regulators are powerless to do anything about it. Um, and the stocks are basically unchanged for the tech monopolies. So um, there really is little risk in the, in, in the kind of immediate to short term on these tech monopolies. Longer term, I think you can see private enterprise and competition try to level the playing field, at least in the United States, uh, much more bullish on that than any sort of real regulatory action on these companies. Yeah, we talked, Alex, last time about the European regulations. Any any developments since we last spoke on on how Europe's trying to to regulate and sort of focusing on that supplier issue compared to some of the issues that the antitrust act in the U.S. tried to focus on the big tech stories? Yeah, I mean we've we've seen them trudge along. We've seen Poland, um, oddly enough, you know, issue a, basically a um, a law or or an edict that if um, a content platform unfairly censors or kicks off a creator. Um, the Poland government can fine them $2 million uh, on each occasion until that user is reinstated. And they use their prior precedent of free speech laws, which there's a bunch of precedent around, to say, you know, unless someone is violating our standard for free speech in Poland, if you unfairly kick them off, then we can fine you $2 million per instance. Um, so the EU as a whole is much farther away from, from, uh, from following Poland's lead. But I do think it is a really great example of exactly this topic. Platforms taking advantage of producers, in, in Poland's case, content creators. But it applies to Uber and it applies to Amazon with third-party sellers. That's what Ms. Vestager, the head of the EU Regulatory Council, is, is very focused on Amazon and how they take advantage of third-party sellers for this same universal concept. Um, but I, I don't think, I still think there's some time before the EU takes material action and, and really kind of dials this all in. Let me just reintroduce our guest. We're talking with Alex Moazed, CEO of Applico, which is a platform consulting business, does a lot of work on consulting companies, on platform strategies. Uh, we got Kara Marciscano, Senior Analyst at Wisdom Tree. I'm Jeremy Schwartz. Uh, Alex, one of the, you know, we've talked, started talking about some of the risks to the big tech platforms. What do you think? Is there any, you know, in terms of things going well for generally some of the platform companies as, as you go from and tied to the COVID and reopening? Anything, you know, platforms that you would say are doing particularly well during this environment and look look for growth opportunities going forward? Yeah, I mean, we're talking a lot about, you know, the big four here, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, a much smaller, um, you know, fifth. But when you look at the, the past IPOs of the six months, there are a bunch of these 20 to $50 billion market cap platform IPOs or now direct listings. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you look 
maybe, you know, the last month or so in 2020, performance was strong per usual. But, but the, the, you know, FAMGO was actually somewhat flat. Um, and, and a lot of that growth came from these kind of mid-sized platform stocks who just were having huge growth streaks. Um, the, the more recent IPOs, they're not in the index, obviously, yet. But, yeah, these mid-sized platform players, 20 to $50 billion market cap, they've got huge growth in front of them. Um, you know, COVID in many ways is an accelerant. And so that's really where you've seen the past month or two here. You've seen a lot of upside coming from them. And I, and I, think, I think there's a lot more ahead for them. Tara, anything where you want to go on, on the conversation here with, with Alex? Yeah, shifting topics a little bit, we saw over the past couple of weeks the executive order from President Trump come out, basically deterring money managers from investing in companies that are backed by the Chinese military. And we thought some of the Chinese tech giants and platforms like Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent would also be banned. But it seems like for now they will avoid it. Just wanted to get your thoughts more generally on the impact that has on U.S. platforms and and Chinese platforms alike. Yeah, I mean, where's Jack Ma? Um, I think the, uh, you know, the the Chinese tech monopolies, uh, I think Wisdom Tree had a lot of great foresight there and limiting exposure to that many months ago. And um, I think you're seeing, not just from the United States, but you're starting to see it in other countries too, a wholesale sea change um, con- conceptual treatment to how do you treat Chinese tech monopolies? And you got to keep them far abreast from what you're doing, right? The moment the data goes into the platform, it gets piped right back to uh, the PRC and the CCP. And I think there is now an abundant amount of evidence and, and, and proof that that is exactly the case. Um, so the world is starting to wake up here, and ultimately that benefits uh, you know, U.S. and other non-Chinese platform companies and tech companies, when you look at the larger cap platform stocks here, a lot of their growth is coming internationally, right? Southeast Asia, India, Europe. Um, so that's really where these, these very large cap tech stocks, whether they're U.S. or Chinese, that's where the battle is over growth. And so any action by the U.S. or other companies outside of China to limit the expanse of these Chinese tech monopolies is ultimately a boon to, you know, to, to the others that can help fill that void. So I think you're going to see more of this, not less. That's interesting. I mean, is, 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 uh, are there any countries besides, you know, China, we say is, I, I often say like, there's, where, where do you get the big tech companies that can rival us? It's really only China, but do you, do you see any other interesting places where platform companies are starting to develop or any other places outside the U S where there's some of these big growth opportunities ahead? I mean, Europe has maybe, um, I don't know, 15% um, composition in the index today. Uh, Europe, for a number of reasons, that has, has obviously been a laggard in terms of tech innovation. But there are certainly bright spots to what they're doing. India, I think, is very interesting when you look at what they're doing from a tech protectionism standpoint, which absolutely helped Ch- the Chinese tech community over the past 20, 30 years. How do you insulate some of those tech foreign tech monopolies from taking advantage of your small but growing uh, local tech community. India actually has, you know, India was the first to to ban the Chinese apps. 
and they've actually continued to ban even more than the original 50 that they banned. And they've taken a lot of interesting policy standpoints to help provide some, um, you know, through policy competitive advantages to local homegrown uh, Indian tech and, and platform companies. So I think there's a lot of really interesting things coming out of there, both from an innovation and, and a policy standpoint. Yeah, we talk a lot about India as being at the forefront of some of the tech tech trends, um, even just how they sort of put everybody to get a sort of digital ID and sort of being able to open bank accounts with like your your biometrics. I mean, they're sort of at the forefront. But I don't know if that there's a lot of the companies that are quite public that you can invest in yet. Is that is that fair in your in your in your view? Not yet. And and you've seen some, you know, you've seen some M&A. Actually, you've seen a good amount of kind of foreign M&A, again, larger U.S. or um, now admittedly less Chinese companies, but but buying some of the up-and-coming tech startups in India, um, that some of the policy has been used there to help prevent that or, uh, you know, provide the Indian companies more latitude to, to continue to grow independently. So, yes, it's... It, it's not as much uh, from a public standpoint that Europe is, but I think uh, over the next, you know, five, 10 years, that, that story will change. So Alex, we talked country exposure and this M&A discussion is a good segue. You guys published this awesome comprehensive tech M&A report for 2020, and you're calling out a big opportunity to invest in early stage startups. And one of the um, interesting points that I think you guys called out is that food tech was such a popular industry vertical for raising capital in 2020. Where do you see the biggest opportunity either for private capital or, you know, just platforms in general in terms of um, industry and uh, industry vertical and size exposures for 2021? Yeah. So it was really interesting. You actually saw overall an increase, in dollars invested into into private startups in the United States over 2020, almost doesn't make sense. The the, the reason behind that is there is actually a flight to safety. Um, safety in in startup investing is kind of an oxymoron, but there's a flight to safety in the sense that dollars were going to later stage tech startups. Um, so overall volume up, number of deals invested in down. So you had a fewer number of deals closed with overall dollars increasing. Investors were pouring money into later stage startups. And that has created a massive gap for early stage tech startups, um, particularly in food and, uh, and, and many other industries that have you know, been hard hit by COVID and, and the fallout from this just huge behavior change, um, which presents a lot of interesting opportunities, whether you're, whether you're a private investor whether you are an enterprise that's looking to engage in some startup M&A. Um, there are some amazing early stage startups that have great, you know, have or had great traction, have really good product and tech capabilities, but just the fundraising environment is not there for them, um, given this flight to later stage and, and kind of more stable tech, tech investments. You know, one of the other industry verticals you you guys follow in this is sort of gaming. I know my kids have been on a platform uh, that's sort of looking at maybe direct listing here, the Roblox uh, gaming platform. I think they used to become like platforms in gaming where, you know, they all sorts of developers come onto that. Is that a trend you're seeing within gaming that you get a bunch of these new platform companies developing in that ecosystem? Yeah, there's amazing stuff going on. 
in gaming as you know as the video game nerd inside of me um ekes out here but the in q4 roblox was absolutely my favorite ipo um that was slated they they delayed the ipo and and basically um 4x the price of 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 their company in about two months here and it looks like they're coming up on a direct listing shortly here it's an extremely strong company and there's there's others uh in the space as well but they're just throwing off cash um and have insane growth company was founded in 2004 and basically for the first eight to ten years was just kind of slowly building and 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 building a very avid base of users and and the past eight to ten years has just been gangbuster growth year over year um i think maybe four or five xing gmv in the past year and and we don't even know the 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 latest numbers yet so that's an amazing company at a 30 billion dollar valuation um which i think is where their 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 raise just was for another 500 million dollars roughly i mean that that still could be interesting to take a look at but i'd want to see where the latest numbers are yeah somebody who has kids with a lot of direct experience on that on that platform i know i could see where it's coming from um the, the kids uh they, they live there um any final as you think about other topics on platforms any other things that we haven't covered that are that are very topical for you um i i think i think we're seeing the thesis prove itself that that amongst just tech companies there's a lot of different business models but this this platform business model has proven itself time and time again to just be the the strongest the most resilient and and bouncing back the fastest you know if we look at kind of a a year in review here for 2020 um and and that's the thesis all along from a conceptual standpoint and and i think the numbers have really backed that up well, it's always uh, it's always a pleasure catching up. We've been talking with Alex Mozed, CEO of Applico, Kara Marciscano, senior analyst at Wisdom Tree. I'm Jeremy Schwartz. You're listening to Behind the Markets. We had Kara Marciscano, senior analyst at Wisdom Tree. I'm Jeremy Schwartz. Thanks to our producer Patty Hall, our sound engineer Dion Simpkins. You can listen to us on our Behind the Markets podcast every week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about Wisdom Tree, visit wisdomtree.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on SiriusXM channel 132 and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.